yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. So we begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Taylor, O'Driscoll, Forgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is cutting back inside! Let's have another! Darcy, O'Driscoll oh. through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, step and score! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's Rugby Podcast. I'm Will Slattery. Delighted to be joined, as always, by Luke Fitzgerald. Luke, hello. Hey, Will. How are things? Yeah, doing well, thanks. Doing well. Uh, after kind of a week break of rugby, didn't know what to do with myself. At least we have Leinster Munster this weekend to look forward to. Meant what to be does, too what locked. does Will Slattery do when there is no rugby on? Well, what's, what's worse, Saturday was bleak. Saturday was grim and bleak. I'm not going to lie. And what was worse was I was kind of building the weekend around Liverpool Man United, which was absolutely oh, atrocious yeah. on the Sunday no, as well. I had a big one as well around. That was my weekend. Yeah. Got it. That was my saving grace. It turned out to be like absolutely absurd. The only thing that I did enjoy was seeing the clip from Edinburgh Glasgow of the scrum half who taught the uh, the train going by was the halftime hooter and kicked it out <laughs> on the five metre line. Is that what that was? I saw some kind yeah. of hooter online. Yeah. I obviously, I sorry. I didn't watch that, but uh, <laughs> um, I was—I saw some joke about. It, so that was okay, interesting. Okay. Yeah, he well, talked. Yeah, it was a train. The the, the five thirty to Edinburgh was going by, and it was <laughs> kind of this kind of this honking of the train horn, and then the guy like he uh, Nick Groom kind of runs back into his own train, do boots it out, and then the ref's like, "No, that was a train," and he's just like, "What?" <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. I, I didn't yeah, know what that good. was. Okay. But yeah. Good. So so we had that at least, but now yeah. no, all, all is right with the world now. Leinster Munster this weekend. Mm. Tomlin Park doesn't get much better than that. Um, and we're going to be joined in a little in a little bit by Will Connors, Leinster Flanker. We'll maybe talk a bit about his career today. He's had an interesting couple of months. But in terms of this weekend coming, you know, Van Gran, you know, Van Gran even talking today, is in, a few interesting comments about, you know, he got criticised for the tactics uh, they used against Leinster in that semi-final. So, you go, oh, I see Leinster use some of our tactics recently against oh. Ulster. So, uh, it's an it's interesting bit of niggle there. It's good to see. What well, was sorry? Was there something said though? Did, did, did was was it Robert McBride? Was Robert McBride speaking? And did he say something about the tactics as well? Or did, was there something? Well, like directly after the game, Leo Cullen and Contepomi both kind of had a bit oh, sorry, of a comment about. Okay, I must have yeah. seen something different. But I did. It sounded like he was kind of responding to to someone saying about the Leinster tactics. Maybe it was to a, a journalist. Um, yeah, look, it is nice to have something a bit spicy. Now, I think the, the weather conditions mean they might not be able to play any other game. Despite that, I heard that it, it's not supposed to be very good. Um, so they might be both sides might be forced to play that. Uh, no harm in that. Might be one for the purists, but I mean, I can't wait for it. I mean, a big attritional battle down in Tom in Tom Park. 
Um, you know, it doesn't get any better than that. And both sides really, really need this one, you know. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm buzzing for that one, actually. Yeah, there's two kind of main subplots because the league itself, you know, Munster are pretty clear in that conference and, and Leinster have a good, are in a good position too. But in terms of the Six Nations selection is obviously one big one. But then the other one is something we did talk about when we thought the game was going ahead in Stevens Day was Munster's recent record against Leinster. I think since Van Grant took charge, they've lost seven of eight clashes, I think, um, three semifinals in a row as well. You know, there's there's no time like the present to kind of start getting that winning mentality back against your biggest rivals because especially when it looks like Leinster could potentially be playing Munster in the final of the Pro 14, in the quarterfinals potentially of the Champions Cup if the draw goes the way people expect it might go. So you're going to have to get some wins against the team sooner rather than later. Yeah, 100%. You know, um, you know, I, I remember like we we had been on quite a poor run against Munster for a long period of time, and we got we we snuck one in Musgrave Park during my kind of era, I suppose. Um, I'm gonna say it might have been 08, maybe, or might have been 08, I think, maybe. And um, that had been beaten in there in a very long time, and we got that, and it just gave us a little bit of confidence. We probably didn't go on straight away to get kind of uh, you know into a position where we were beating them, but we it was probably started off something in our heads thinking, Do you know what, we actually have a chance against these guys, so um. Yeah, like this could be that for them uh, at home. Uh, big time to, to do it. And I think as well, like this is quite a big one for Leinster. I know they are in a good position in the league, Will, but they still have to go up to Ulster too, you know? So I don't think they'd want to be throwing away too many. Like they need to win this one too. I mean, going up to Ravenhill wouldn't be very pleasant if you were, if you needed a win, you know? So uh, I think they'll be targeting this one to put themselves in a strong position. And it does do that if they get the win. So um, I think there's a bit to play for in both teams. And I think they're going to put out very strong teams as well. So uh well i hope they do um and, and it's going to make for a, a big battle from the monster perspective you know that's a great win up in up in um that they're coming off in in the sports ground um you know not not a great performance but you know great to get that's a tough place to go and get a win and particularly when they hung on at the end when they really probably shouldn't have um you know that'll fill them with a little bit of confidence you know grinding one out up there so uh yeah it, it's uh it, it's setting up for for a really tough you know battle um and I think, look, while you know weather conditions permitting, you know you'd hope you get a good game, and we see some of the wide players involved. It might just be one for the front eight to just grind it out. Um, so yeah, looking forward to it. Well, really, really, like really excited about it, this one. Actually, I think it's perfect timing coming to the Six Nations as well. Yeah, and with the squad set to be announced, maybe on I think Sunday or Monday. Mm. Is there any player in particular you're, you're thinking? I know the team isn't going to be named until Friday, but is there anyone in particular you're looking at? Uh, for a big performance to either get into the squad or maybe force himself into the team uh, for Wales in two weeks or three weeks' time? I think you'd have to look at the back row, Will. Um, you know, Peter Mahoney has been playing brilliantly, like really, really well. I love some of the parts of his game that he's brought in, the um, the bits of handling. He is the incumbent, but Reese Rodock, I mean, he's just on fire. Like if he plays, um, you know, watching that kind of battle, because I think Reese could, I think they might consider Reese. Um, you know, as a seven uh, at that level, you know, I think they, they might well do that. Look, they may not, but that, that there's a few guys there. Jack Conan, you know, um, you know, whoever plays seven for Leinster could be could be a number of guys at this stage. Could be the guy we have coming on in a few minutes. Um, you know, it's uh, that to my mind. There's a lot of competition for that spot, and it's both of these teams have the players that are kind of competing for that back row, or though probably two or three of those back row slots really. So uh, that's a really interesting battle, and given the conditions, mightn't be great. It might be all about those guys and who gets on top in, in that battle. So uh, can the guys who are in possession of this jersey hang on by you know one last big performance before Six Nations? That's the one I'm going to be looking at. I think. Yeah, there's a real trial match feel to it, and this. 
Hopefully, I think apparently the forecast is for snowy weather, according to Elman Grant today. So maybe we might not quite get the, the free flowing spectacle we want, but it's sure to be a very absorbent game nonetheless. But for the moment, uh, we're delighted to be joined by uh, Leinster and Ireland flanker Will Connors. Will, how are things? Well, lads, how are you getting on? Thanks for having me. Good to be no, here. No, delighted to have you. No, uh, great, great to have you on. Um, well, Will, we might start back at the very beginning. I think February 2018, you made your Leinster debut away uh, against Edinburgh. And what I liked about it when I looked it up earlier is because it continues our left-wing tradition of players making their debuts in kind of less glamorous grounds. Your one was in Meyerside, I think, uh, rather than Murrayfield that day. You know, what stands out for you when you think back to that, that, that game, your debut that week, and you found that you were only playing for the first time? I was there thinking at the very start, she's first game, Murrayfield, like it's going to be class. And then you obviously, you kind of get into the week and you see where the venue is. It's a... Uh, some dodgy pitch down the back of uh, down the back of Edinburgh, but uh, it was. Mean, uh, I remember being cold. It's called echoes. What? It's echoes, for, it's echoes for the whole thing in Murrayfield against Edinburgh. Yeah, I, so that was the thing. Like, it was the balance between both. I suppose at least this had a bit of bit of atmosphere going through it. Like, but uh, yeah, like I I remember just like the game kind of went back by in a flash. But I suppose with your parents after, um, they flew across, and um, that was good crack seeing them. Like it was a freezing night and. Just uh, we obviously lost, and it was everyone was a bit down. But the smile on their face when I came across them like that kind of made it uh, made it special, really. And will would you have been an ambitious guy back then when you, around the time of your debut? Would you have been thinking even then of you know playing Champions Cup games, you know breaking into the Ireland setup, or would you have been someone who at the beginning was just kind of happy to be happy to be there, happy to be playing for Leinster for the first time? Yeah, it was like okay, isn't this great? Like it's. Uh, it's a uh, class being out here of maybe Leinster debut, but um, I think that's um, over time. And even when I was injured, that's where I kind of your mindset kind of has to change. Because if you're, I suppose, if you're kind of stagnant in that way in your mindset, where you're like, oh, this is great, you get left behind fairly quick. So, um, yeah, it was really from then. Like it, when I look back at myself then, like I said, it was uh, it was interesting just to see that. I was just like, oh, this is class. Unreal to be out here wearing blue Leinster or whatever. I can I ask you, Will, are you kind of one of those guys? So you kind of did touch on it there, but just even to delve a little bit deeper on it. Um, you know, so you said you probably weren't expecting maybe to, to get to where you were. Now that you're there, you know, are the goals, you know, not just to get in the team, but do you go one further? Do you say, I want to be the, you know, obviously you want to get in the team, first of all, but do you say to yourself, look, if I'm in there, do you reset and do you say, I want to be the best seven in the competition or I want to get on the Lions or do you go, how lofty do you go? Do you stretch them or are you one of those people that just doesn't really think about it too much further? Yeah, no, that's definitely something I'm trying to grow into myself and because mindset is something I suppose that I've always been adapt, uh, evolving on. But like you said, like back then it was very much happy to be there. But now I am like, I want to be the best seven in Ireland. Uh, I want to like push the boundaries and stuff and, um, and again, I need to have pushed myself even more, like you're saying, like I need to have that kind of push to play for Lions or whatever. But that's the next step, I suppose, and to grow to my mindset. Like, But compared to where I was a few years ago, like I've definitely developed a huge amount there and uh, I'm still trying to grow as much as I can there. It's interesting because you don't play, you play very much with look like without like zero hesitation. Like as in you play with great belief is what I mean, or very great conviction. Is it is it natural for you to think to move the mindset outside of rugby outside of the rugby pitch onto maybe the mental preparation side or visualizing yourself in a, in a red jersey or an Irish or a green jersey or whatever it may be? Yeah, like I think uh, 
because it's probably one of the biggest things I'm trying to work on is consistency in my game. And that, I suppose, is true of all that. I suppose visual, visualization and stuff. And that's, uh, like I like I said, I used to kind of just show up and that kind of come to me. But then, you know, at higher levels, like um, you kind of get caught off guard. Like if it doesn't start coming to you, you kind of get caught on the back foot. And that's kind of why I've really pushed myself in that area of the game, like the mindset, trying to visualize it, have a good routine yeah, going into a game. Because like, I suppose if you can push yourself there, like by the time the f- performance comes, like you're, you've kind of seen a lot of situations come out. And like I said, it's still an area I'm trying to grow on, but I feel like the way I kind of play at the moment, I kind of, I'm not as consistent as I'd like to, as I'd like to be. And that's kind of, uh, that's how I'm trying to kind of push myself. Yeah, and in terms of the mental step up, obviously your European debut couldn't have been a kind of a bigger obstacle. Saracens, you know, the back row who you would have been kind of charged with marshalling. You know, how did you find that mental preparation for it? You know, going from to step up, you know, playing really well in the Pro 14 to playing the probably the, the most famous club team in Europe at the time. Like that build up, I know that the result ultimately didn't go well, but in terms of the week and you look back now, how did you find yourself dealing with that kind of I don't know if it's pressure or just the kind of expectation or, or, the, or the raised level that you have to meet when you're playing a team like that. Yeah, like, uh, unfortunately, I probably got caught up too much thinking about uh, Billy Vonopola in terms of, like, I was, like, all week working on, oh, I'm going to get him down to the ground early. And I remember early on in the game, I got a shot on, on him and I was like, okay, this is going to go well or whatever. But um, I probably got caught in that hole of nearly focusing too much on him. As in the game, the game didn't, like, it just didn't happen for me that day, but uh, I suppose that that was kind of a, a bit of an error on my part. You know, you get so caught up in the hype and you're like, oh, I need to get him down early, talisman, go after him. But uh, I suppose in retrospect and uh, with the learnings I've taken, it's like, that's just part of the game. And, you know, you really need to uh, nail down everything else. Like you can't just get caught in one kind of part taking that Billy Vonopola. That was where my my mindset was all week and uh, it's just unfortunate. Yeah, it's a funny one because I suppose he had been so good in some of those England games and, and Leinster matches prior that if you if he'd kind of if you kind of had maybe focus on other areas and he played really well, people would have been like, oh Jesus, like what was he doing? Like that was his one job. And yeah, it's yeah. it's a funny kind of balance to strike, isn't it? Because he he did he was quiet on the day, even though they played quite well. Yeah. No, that's exactly it. And uh you know it is uh like I looking into games now I am a lot more consistent in my preparation like I'm not looking at just one player like obviously when you're coming into a game you do have players that you highlight but I'm not basing my whole game around how that's going to go like it's uh, it's trying to I suppose bring what I can bring to the game and not really focus as much on them but it can be it's a great asset to have it reminds me like Shane Jennings was a little bit like that you know yeah. like he was kind of a bit like you'd have like the most unbelievable number eight for the other team or whoever it was, big ball carrier 12 or whoever, you know, you were coming up against. And I remember he was like a dog with a bone, you know, like they're, it's great. I wouldn't, uh, you know, I completely agree with you in that there's, yeah, you want to be looking at the whole thing. You want to impact the game as, in as many places as you can. But, um, you know, sometimes I think those things are great for a team. You can nullify the biggest threat and it just means that it, you know, it, it evens the game up for everyone else. And, um, it can, it's kind of a selfless thing, even though I think some people, it sounds like you might be a guy who maybe, you can correct me if I'm wrong, you might be a guy who really likes that. Do you know that huge challenge? You got one guy coming up, like Jeno was like that. He was an, like the biggest game. You'd be like, 
okay, we're coming up against, I don't know, it could be Manu Tulagi, like, and he was, you know, playing at 12 for Leicester or whatever it was, and he was just like a dog at him all day. Yeah. And it made, you know, made everyone else's kind of job a lot easier. It just, you know, things like that. Do you ever think there's, it's kind of a selfless task sometimes, and maybe that's a job at a seven. Yeah. But I wouldn't always think that that's necessarily the worst thing because you can be such an asset for a team that way, you know? Do you think I'm wrong on that or any thoughts on that? No, it is like, and it is kind of how, um, like, I've kind of gotten to this point is being able to kind of go after those lads. And I do enjoy it. Like, it is, uh, like, there is something I suppose cool about going after an opposite number eight or whatever and just, I suppose, take them out of the game as much as you can. It's very sad. Like, I, I know myself from playing that there, you know, you come up against, I don't know, a really good, like, a big winger or something like that for another team. Everyone, like, he's, you know, they're on a, on a real, you know, kind of run of tries or whatever it is and you kind of you know you don't always impact the game and the attack but you might just completely nullify them um and there's something very satisfying about that as well so i just thought i'd mention it to you it's, it's it's an interesting to get your your views on that one you know um because i think sometimes the seven's job can get overlooked but like sometimes it's the most important one because you're just taking someone else out yeah exactly you know? something that i thought was really interesting when i was looking through or i suppose your bio really was, was maybe the sevens part of your uh, career now i don't know how long it was so it's very brief i was looking through you know here looking through someone's yeah. kind of history but like talk to me a little bit about that because obviously we see hugo keenan as well as, as kind of that that seventh background a bit as well i remember when i was going into it um and uh coaches and stuff like anthony eddie were telling us like you know the, the real driver of it is because like in 14 minutes the amount of um impacts like that happen in the game you know like rooks and stuff like your ability to go for a poach and stuff he was like in terms of developing like it's uh it's nearly i suppose it's kind of fast forwards a, a few years or whatever and i definitely did feel like in in parts of my game like it has pushed me on like you know pushes your the limits and kind of your open field play and like although i haven't really shown much at the moment um it is definitely something that i i would be confident kind of in the wider channels and stuff and uh I suppose just the way the seven, like the seven roll now is you're just here. I suppose you're in amongst it, but like I would be confident in the wider channels and stuff. But like the sevens as a program, like I loved it. Like we, we had a great group of lads and uh, it was class and fairness. Like, And who do you look to, at the, you know, for, so obviously, you know, you have your coaches and that, but is there anyone that you looked up to or anyone that you were kind of modeled your game on or, or things that you like about someone that you say, you know what, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're thinking about something or you're kind of, uh, I suppose, um, you know, trying to grow your game, is there anyone that you really like to emulate or anyone that you think, you know what, that's that, that was someone that, you know, I built a lot of my game around. Just even so, like, uh, I don't know if I'm even phrasing this very well, but you know what I mean? It's Is there anyone that you go, Gee, that guy was a brilliant back row. I'd love to be that guy or play like him. Yeah, like, it's an interesting one because, like, um, growing up, there wasn't really many, like, I didn't get caught up in like being like, oh, I'm a huge Dan Carter fan or any of that. Like I was, but uh, to be honest, I didn't really base my game off anyone. It kind of just uh, came together like that. Uh, like it was just really, uh, that's how we played in school. Um, and that was kind of, I suppose, bred into us early on. Um, like if I'm trying, there's not, like I'd love to grow parts of my game. Like if, like say if I had like I'd love to chat with Pocock or someone like that. Like I'm a completely different player to him, but like, you know, the damage he's caused around the breakdown during his career, like he I suppose like he really pushed it on like a huge amount. And um but to be honest, I never really looked at one player was like, Yeah, I want to be him. Really interesting. Okay. Yeah. And so like is there so who do you go to for kind of guides on your game? Is it purely the coaches or are you kind of do you rely on yourself more? 
to to kind of grow your uh, your skill set. Uh, Hugh Hogan has been great for uh, for that. So like Hugh is our contacts coach. Uh, like he's done a huge amount uh, in my game, and definitely when I was uh, when I was injured, like we worked a lot of like and it was it was bore like boring stuff at the time. Like a lot of kind of footwork into tackles and. Uh, things like that and there wasn't really much I could do when I had an ACL injury but like we're doing these small little things and definitely to see them come off like in a in a game when I suppose you're absolutely fucked sorry Uh, (laughs) but yeah like to see that kind of like really kind of uh, you you do kind of back it so even now like I put a lot of trust in him and uh, like we go through things say tackle technique or carry or even poaching um we do a lot of work still on that and are you the kind of guy who goes like are you are you into the minutiae like do you like looking at okay mm, that was wrong like you know when you look back at your 20 tackles whatever it is yeah it's an interesting one because i think uh i wouldn't be to the detail of like if that tackle my foot was wrong or something um i wouldn't go to the as fine a detail of like uh, a one-off movement because at the end of the day it is quite of uh quite an instinctive thing and I suppose the movements and stuff is just like where you're putting your shoulder, getting your arm up and stuff like they're all just little parts to play. And um, no, definitely. I probably had to do that because I was only making five or six tackles a game. <laughs> 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 this is you. <laughs> Sorry, but far away. No, yeah, I was going to say, when you're assessing your performances generally, like, are you the kind of person who after a game would be like really fixating on how it went for you you'd be replaying it in your mind or are you or do you like to kind of park it and wait for it maybe to review on the monday is it something that you kind of the plays in your mind or are you able to park it yeah i think i'd say lukey would be able to answer this just as well like i think after a game um if it doesn't go well for you um still something you do try to always work on but like it is a difficult one it's it's something i still like i'm still poor at and Still, like, if I do have a bad game, I, I do need to uh, give myself a kick up the arse and be like, move on, like, uh, park it fairly quick. But um, no, it's definitely somewhere I need to keep her on. Mm. Yeah, I, I hate, I couldn't do it. Never got, never got good at it. I was nearly embarrassed <laughs> if I had a thinker. Seriously, I was honestly embarrassed to go in. I'd be literally, I'd be dying all weekend. Yeah. I'd have literally have analysed this. I'd probably have watched the game twice before I'd sl- sleep that night just to go back through, just to watch the pain. So I'd nearly be taking the pain away from Monday morning. <laughs> Hated it. Well, that's, that's promising to that. Yeah. We've got another <laughs> 10 years to go. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, it's grim. But no, but like the only thing is, I think, you know, the, the as I got, as I got kind of better through it, I think you ended up, I, I what I got better at was the kind of emotional side of it. Like I, I didn't... Um, yeah, you'd be really upset after it, you know, and you feel like you kind of let everyone down uh, and yourself. But you, I kind of got better at analyzing and kind of getting a bit more technical about it. I felt like that was a good way of me kind of coping with it, you know, when I was kind of going, okay, well, this week I'm going to work on that and I'm not going to make that mistake again. And that was probably how I dealt with it, you know, but it's it's different for everyone. Some people just, I don't know, seem to just breeze through. And and that's good players, bad, like some of them are really good players, some are really bad players. And then the other there's probably the other end of the spectrum who just like haunts them, you know. I was probably there, but got better at it. So yeah, I don't know. Try and try and be the other side. I think they yeah, enjoy no, it. Yeah, they enjoy it a bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one thing I thought was on a, a different note was interesting. When I was again like looking through your bio, like that year in 2016, that under 20s kind of crop of players, the, the t- amount of talent there. I know, unfortunately, you got an injury before the World Cup, so didn't get to go over and play in that. But I like look at some of the names like James Ryan, Andrew Porter, Stockdale, like yourself was involved, Hugo Keenan, 
Jimmy O'Brien, Connor O'Brien, Shane Daly, like all these guys, you know, playing for provincial rugby or, or international rugby. Like when you look back now, like was there a sense at the time that there was something special in that group? Did, were you looking around thinking, God, we're pretty good here? Or do you not really, are you not really able to judge that when you're in it at the moment? No, it's an interesting one because I think, uh, like definitely, I know, uh, like speaking for say myself, Jimmy O'Brien, Connor O'Brien, Hugo, and like we'd all be very close. And I remember we'd always be like, oh, Jesus, like James Ryan's going to captain Ireland or like whatever. Uh, but I don't think we ever saw it. We never talked about it ourselves. We kind of, we did see that, like, I suppose from, like, you can see that James is going to, uh, like that he was going to kick on. And I never really thought, I don't think we really looked at ourselves as uh, as that as much. Um, again, we did have quite a unique group, like uh, quite a talented group. But I think, um to be honest, I, I never saw saw us all coming coming true together. Um, that's probably what makes it cooler. Like you know, when you go into Leinster and stuff now, um, it, like these lads have kind of come the whole way up with, um, and I'm living with two other lads, uh, Jimmy and Cobb. Like we've played the whole way together, and that's probably what makes it more special. Like it is, it was a talented group, and I suppose it just it was fortunate it all came together. And for James Ryan at the time, like what stood out to you to make you guys kind of so sure that he would be kind of a top player uh i don't know he's just a, it's hard like there's something i suppose innate about a really good leader um like you know it's kind of when he whenever he spoke or it wasn't even what he said it was just how he kind of brought like how he was around the pitch and stuff he'd make big moments and um even just in his presence you're just always like oh yeah like he's He's just, he had that leader ability in him and um, we all felt it. Um, and that was the cool thing. I think it was, uh, I suppose at that stage, I was like, geez, it's going to be cool when I grow up and say, oh yeah, like uh, I played under 20s with James Ryan, but uh, <laughs> thankfully I got to play a few other games with him. But like he's just, he is a special, he has a special ability through leadership. And then obviously the way he plays, like he's, um, he's definitely a, an incredible player. Yeah, as you said, you got to kind of make, make that international jump with him as well. Like, what was that period like in the autumn? I suppose, I know you guys were in an actual kind of a bubble situation. It, it was an unusual time. You got your first cap as well, man of the match too. Like, what was that that period like? It must have been strange, but also, you know, obviously very exciting and enjoyable for you personally. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, and like, obviously getting to do uh make my debut with hugo like with our parents like our dad said they'd be on the phone to each other every night like and we'd be uh we'd be very good friends so that that was kind of cool to do with him but uh like it was an interesting period because i suppose like that italy game um like it, it went well for me like it was uh it was an exciting time your phone's blown up and everything it was class and then i suppose the following week it was um the complete opposite end of the spectrum where I suppose a big game and we just didn't pull it out. Like we didn't radio silence on the phone. Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> yeah. So I was like, uh, like to have those two weeks was the biggest, uh, like I had both ends of, uh, international rugby it was definitely, uh, it's definitely a, a big learning curve. It's not like every day in there. It must be like, it's training. Like, is this, is everyone friendly or, you know, is it the week of say champions cup? Is everyone a little bit quieter? Like a week of a Munster game is everyone kind of a little bit more on edge? Like what's, what's the vibe like amongst that? Cause it's just so tight for, for, for space and so many quality players in there at the moment. Yeah. Like it is, uh, it is unbelievably competitive, but like we do get on well. Uh, I suppose like at the end of the day, there's only, uh, there's only three lads going into the background and one on the bench. So, um, 
it is you really do have to bring your a game to every train and like it's nearly it's nearly like you're preparing for a match like coming on the show are, are you kicking the crap out of each other yeah like not we wouldn't <laughs> to that extent like you know but it, uh, if I was seeing uh, if I was seeing a backer come around the corner, I'd charge up an extra shoulder on him. But honestly, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, but... Shoney O'Brien and Geno used to be like there'd be lads getting their heads poked off to be like, just stay away from the way the week of a big match. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. So like, you know, it's, it's not like that now. In fairness, uh, like it is fairly civil, but like it is tough. Uh, and you know, when you're on the wrong end of selection, it, uh, it's not a great place to be. But I suppose, like, if you start feeling sorry for yourself and um, you start sulking around training, it doesn't do you any good as well. So um, I suppose it's, uh, like, it's taking your opportunity when it comes, and that's probably why, that's why it pushes us on so much, because, like, um, whenever you get your chance, you really have to go after it. Um, Because you can be, you could go from first choice to fourth choice fairly quick, and that's just in the sevens, like. Hmm. Yeah, and you you mentioned there, I suppose you know the, the training and the competition there. Like when you, when for your own mindset, like do you, is it the games where you feel like you have to do the most impressing of the coaches, or is it in these training sessions when you're kind of in close quarters with your direct rivals? Like, or, or are they both kind of times where you have to bring your A game? Is one more important than the other? Like, obviously the games are the ultimate decider in terms of wins and losses, but getting in the team is a big performance versus you know really good training. Like, how do you how do you kind of kind of put those together yeah it's an interesting one because like i think the way you prepare like when you look at training you do have to bring a little bit of extra edge and stuff and uh like you, you don't really save too much up but like at the end of the day you're preparing yourself for a game at the end of the week so um you do bring the mindset that it's uh that it's like a game you have to do everything at 100 percent. but uh i suppose when it comes to game day it's that little extra bit of contact and that's where i suppose you have a little bit of edge but um there is there is uh like you do have to do a good bit of preparation and stuff just to keep on top of things and what kind of what kind of rehab are you are are you did you did you find it tough rehab yeah like see i'd be uh i tried to really make it all a bit of crack as much as uh like make it tough work um you're happy in your own company then yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I suppose I would be kind of considered a bit odd around the place, but uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, in fairness, I, I didn't like it. Was uh, like you have your tough days, you know yourself. Like there was, and uh, especially when like um, like I remember at the time Scott Penny and stuff was playing, and uh, like I remember it was tough because I was like, God, oh, like he was just coming through the academy, and I was like, oh, this could have been my opportunity or whatever, and. Obviously, I'm here rolling around with a with, with a dodgy knee on me. So I remember at the time that was that was tough. Um, but I suppose you have to pick yourself back up. Um, but yeah, I would I would have a bit of crack and rehab. You know, I have to try on a few trims and keep. So who was looking after you? Was it, who was your kind of one on one physio? Uh, are, you, are you Carl or, or, or Gareth, man? No, uh, no, I didn't have either of them. I had Dermo. Uh, Dermo. Oh, Dermo, very good. Yeah, yeah. how did you get on with him? Yeah, we had a bit of crack in fairness. Like we we got through a good bit of work, but like you know, it was uh, it was good work, and it was, like he was very good at that. Like he knew at the end of the week, like you'd be absolutely shagged, but like I suppose he knew how I responded. Like he was able to get the most out of me, really. Um, how long were you? Were you six months with it, or were you? Um, what the? Yeah, I think it came around seven months. Seven. That's a good turnaround. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So now it was like a. I suppose it is a. 
like every injury has its little defining moment in it. Like there is definitely mm. things that you, you grow on. And I suppose it's, um, it definitely is something that gives you that bit more want. Um, definitely when you're not playing, you you appreciate a lot more during the good times. So that's a, an interesting one. Yeah. Do, do you look back on it as one of the kind of crucial periods in your career? You just kind of broken into the Leinster team at the end of the previous year. I think you got an injury that couldn't have took you out of action. And then just before the new season started, ACL injury. But you seem to come back in. I think it was, a, was it a game against Ulster. Maybe you came back in towards the end of the season and gave a good performance straight in back after the injury. That, did that give you the confidence ahead of the new season then going into, I think it was after the World Cup where you kind of came in and, and stuck a bit of a claim. But that, that injury period must have been very crucial for your development. Yeah, no, definitely. And like I was saying, it was those little bits of, bits of work with Hugh that definitely uh, that kept me going. And then like skills and stuff like that. Uh, those, little, those little small things definitely all uh, build together towards the bigger picture. Um, when I look at lads and even my roommate, Conor O'Brien, he's coming back from, like he's, I suppose, just started his journey through um, an ACL injury. But uh, like, I know that when it comes to the summer, like, like when it comes to the preseason, that's like you know, I'm like that's where you're gonna really hit the ground run. That's where you can really, I suppose, clock up your clock up your training minutes and your confidence. And it's definitely, definitely going into the new season gives you confidence. Yeah, just one or two last questions. We really appreciate you joining. It's one thing that I came across when I was again looking at your bio earlier. Your pre-match drink is beetroot juice, apparently, according to a, a Q and A. They're still pulling out that shy. They don't miss that stuff at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see. I was the shots. Like I, I have them. Like my mother used to. She like she'd send me up fresh beetroots. And well, she wouldn't send me up. She sent me up fresh beetroot juice, but like she'd blend it all up with oranges and stuff. And it was actually. The beat room. Oh, it's homemade. Yeah, <laughs> homemade stuff. Yeah. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. No, my dad. That, 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 that could be nice. Ours was absolute garbage. It was. Yeah. Those, no, the day I know <laughs> the shots are rotten. Like they're. Maybe but is this some sort of professional rugby kind of known thing? You're all just drinking beetroot juice the whole time. <laughs> I don't know why it was there, but I was still to drink it. Drink it as beetroot juice. So like it was bizarre. Yeah. You take any little step, like this, <laughs> just a just a little fucking one percenter. But yeah, my mom, my mom would send it up, blend it up, and stuff. Uh, I remember because uh, my dad was planting them or whatever and uh, one of my friends, he'd be out doing a little bit of garden or whatever in our house and he was like, yeah, you have these beetroots growing but I put like pesticides and stuff down here last year. Like there shouldn't be gro- something growing here for at least five years. Like so, yeah, I brought something <laughs> into my system. It definitely wasn't uh, all beetroot. <laughs> and are you still eating the microwavable oats? I believe that's why your nickname is Porridge uh, in, in oh, the Lancer setup. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the finisher, is it? The, the porridge question. <laughs> well, like, if it gets me a deal with Flavins and gets me oats coming into the there, you go, there you go, there you go. But yeah, I, I still have them there. Uh, I'll be having them every day. You know, some days are tougher than than others. Like, um, I'm very big on a milky porridge. Like when I like if I'm very tired and I throw in a bowl of porridge and I don't get the milk ratio to oats right. You come out with just a lump of clunk, like it's just it sets you off on a bad day, like yeah. beetroot juice and clunky porridge. Like this is this is a, the glamour of uh, professional rugby yeah, laid bare. Exactly. There's no chefs or anything. It's not, uh, it's not football around here. No. <laughs> well, Will, I really appreciate you joining us, giving a bit of an insight into your your journey today, your career. Uh, all the best uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, hopefully, more and more good days to come.
Yeah, no, I appreciate it, lads. It's, uh, it's a bit of crack. That's all we have time for on the left wing this week. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another podcast. In the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thanks for listening and goodbye.